On today's episode of Uncle Sam Soccer Podcast, we break down the newly revised CBA agreement between the MLSPA and MLS. Plus, we discuss FC Cincinnati's Frankie Amaya's request to be traded. You can follow the show on Twitter at Pod, And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Now, let's get to today's show. Thanks for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Okay, fellas, we are back after a week hiatus due to the Super Bowl. We took a week off. We made an executive decision. Uh, Justin loved it because Justin's a massive football guy. Uh, I know. Yeah, I love the the commercials. <laughs> Phenomenal. Yeah, he. I don't even know what. I didn't even really pay that close of attention actually to the. Did you at least? Did you at least see the 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 first? Yeah, I think it was the first one uh, after like the first commercial of the first quarter. The Matthew McConaughey Dorito commercial, where he's like the paper, and yeah, he needs that was the only commercial that made my mom laugh, the only one, and I was like, really, of all the commercials, that was the one. <laughs> your mom's a your mom just is a sucker for uh, for Matthew McConaughey, all right. I I guess so. she loved Days and Confused. Sure. I hope I don't that even was, know I, if I was born when that. I came don't out. even know if that's a Matthew McConaughey. I don't. Okay, listeners, I'm not a big movie guy. I don't know movies. I'm not even sure if that's even a Matthew McConaughey movie or not. We're gonna, we're gonna go with it though. Uh, you can follow the. <laughs> stick around and I'm you'll find out that I haven't. Real. Stick around, and you'll find out that I haven't even seen all the Star Wars movies yet. I know so many heads have just exploded now that I've said that. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at UncSamSoccerPod at JJ Post at Justin Sosa ninety nine and uh, at Jake Watroba. Um, we are not going to talk movies today. We're actually going to talk a little MLS and uh, the MLS CBA agreement, amongst other things. Uh, boys, we are going to have an MLS season as uh, MLS and the MLSPA ratified a revised collective bargaining agreement on Monday, February 8th. Here are some key highlights to the newly revised CBA. Uh, The revised CBA was extended an additional two years through the end of the 2027 season. Uh, The share of incremental media revenues, which will kick in when a new media rights deal is negotiated, starting with the 2023 season, was decreased from 25% to 12.5% in 2024. So that is a win for the owners. Uh, And the owners also uh, got another force majeure clause added, but that cannot be invoked until... December 1st, 2021. Now here are a couple uh, key wins here for the players. The senior minimum will rise from 81375 in 2021 to 125875 in 2027. And the reserve minimum will rise from 63547 in 2021 to 97700 in 2027. 
And lastly, the MLSPA also made modest gains in free agency for 2026 and 2027 with the eligibility requirements going from 24 years of age and five years in MLS to 24 and four. So, guys, we're gonna have a season. We're both pumped. We're all pumped about that. We all. I'm kind of. I'm actually a little shocked that we were able to get this done. It kind of felt like the the owners were gonna find a way to screw the pooch, if you will. I hate that phrase because of if you really break it down, it's kind of a stupid phrase. But I, I just felt like the owners were going to uh, kind of screw us. We're gonna get robbed of MLS soccer this season, but it doesn't. It doesn't appear that way. It sounds like we're gonna get a season. We're pretty. We're all stoked, right? April April seventeenth. We're all stoked about that, right? You gotta be. I mean, you gotta be. Soccer is back. It's been a long what three months? You know, three dark, cold months of winter, and then we're now we're gonna have to wait look wait a little longer for which is in start till April. But there's now light at the end of the tunnel. You know, look for a brief moment. You know. Even if that brief moment was perhaps hyped up way too much, that there might not be some soccer, which uh, or at least soccer in America. Um, but you know, thankfully that's been resolved, and now you got a light at the end of the tunnel. You can look forward to MLS restarting um, some games that are more local to a lot of people, fans, uh, certain teams. You know, finally have the team some games to watch with interest if you weren't uh, didn't have any sort of passion or interest in European soccer. So people like that, you know, you finally have your league back, and uh, you know. I'm happy because, you know, I can finally watch soccer at night and, you know, I don't need to watch so whatever NBA or MLB games going on. And, you know, because in Europe, obviously, the time difference pretty much every game is a midday tilt or, you know, you know, in the morning. Personally, I like watching, you know, the earthquakes take on the Timbers on a Wednesday night at 930. Uh, that's, you know, that's my kind of soccer. Just, you know, shooting the stuff with the boys, you know, just watching some terrible defense and all that offense. That's real MLS soccer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, personally, I kind of agree too. Cause, I mean, I don't know. I've just kind of grown to love watching MLS, whether people regard it as good or bad or whatever their take is. Like, I don't care. I personally find it entertaining. I like watching it. I have a team to support that's local. Um, I find it a little bit harder now to like watch European soccer regularly on the weekends if like an American isn't playing. Um, I also find it a little bit harder to keep like my fandom on a European team. Like, uh, I would always, or not always, I would try and watch Wolves because there were so many Portuguese people just, or players just always in the roster. There still is, obviously. Um, but they just play such boring soccer. Like, they legitimately play such boring soccer sometimes that it's it's hard to watch that. Um, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm happy MLS is going to be back. Um, it's a little bit unfortunate given that the owners kind of did what they did with the players and stuff. Uh, but, you know, I'm happy we're going to get the league back. Yeah, and there are uh, Don Garber actually met with the uh, media on Wednesday, February tenth. Yeah, there was a couple interesting things he said uh, in that little media Zoom call or sit down, whatever whatever we're calling it now here in twenty twenty one. Obviously, MLS's season will kick off on April seventeenth. We've already mentioned that. However, training camps, as of recording this episode, um, there, there there's still no uh, timetable on when those are going to begin. Garber also mentioned he doesn't believe that fans will be in stadiums for most of or all of 2021, which talking to JJ before we recorded, this almost kind of sounds like it's a, this potentially could be a league policy of some sort because you have markets like, you know, in Orlando or Miami where anything kind of goes in Florida right now. Same with Texas, anything kind of goes. 
Um, but then you have you know teams in places like California, Oregon, Washington. Uh, things are a bit more restricted uh, out there. We saw you know for the first time this past January, uh, the New York government allowed the Buffalo Bills to have fans for their uh, playoff game against or playoff games rather against the Colts and the Baltimore Ravens. So maybe there's the opportunity the opportunity there for NYCFC to maybe play with some fans in Yankee Stadium. So I guess we'll have to keep an eye on that on it on that as as it relates to if the league wants fans in the stadium or if they're going to hold off on that um, until maybe the fall or maybe even 2022. Uh, Garber also mentioned that he's glad that he doesn't have to, and this is a funny point, he's glad that he doesn't have to negotiate with the MLSPA again for the next seven seasons. He also adds that he hopes the force mature uh, clause isn't invoked again. So, fellas, uh, we're going to start with Justin here. Percent chance the owners invoke the force, force mature clause this December, and we have to do this all over again. I think it's got to be low. Like, I don't see... So, I I can see that they had the... Ex- they. They had the smoke screen of being like, oh, we're in the middle of a pandemic, force majeure, you know, we need to reconsider extending this two more years or whatever so we can make up our losses. You would have to imagine, and I would hope to whatever being above us there is, that this pandemic is over and some type of normalcy is resumed by December of this year. Oh, Justin, Um, you are way too optimistic, my friend. Yeah, so... (laughs) But my thing is, I don't, I don't see how how they would have to then go through the same route and use the same excuse after now having two seasons of playing during COVID. So you would think after the first, you take some lessons, and even if you're still kind of rusty during the second, like you would pick up on it some midway through. You know what I'm saying? Like at that point, then your story starts to get some holes in it, and then it's just like you look dumb as an owner. JJ, what about you? What's what percent chance that uh, we do this uh, song and dance uh, all over again starting on December first of twenty twenty one? I'm going to lean towards Justin and say low. However, I do think a lot of it will be contingent on to what extent COVID affects the season and to what extent COVID remains in America as a factor and as a threat um, for the upcoming season. Because you know, a lot of money. Uh, was lost obviously um in, you know the, mo- the most cold take statement of the year um that a lot of money was lost in mls last year that need to be recouped and that was you know cold statement a big reason why the owners did the force majeure and caused this whole chaos to try to you know get themselves into a better position to recoup for this season but covid isn't gone so i mean re- it's not an unrealistic idea it's perhaps even a likely chance that COVID will once again cause large amounts of losses with no fans, presumably in many stadiums, if not all stadiums, uh, if it is a league-wide policy for some time into 2021, if that's the case. And, you know, if it's going to be hard to keep uh, interest in the league at a high level if there's no, uh, you know, fans, if there's no, you know, less stories because there's no fans. So if, if the interest is low and if the attendance is low, the, the TV dollars and the attendance dollars and all the money that they need to they needed to uh, kind of recoup. If that's not there again, it's not unlikely that they're gonna you know do the same song and dance again under the same reasoning that we need to put ourselves in a better position as owners um, to make the league go on further. We need to restabilize ourselves. We need to orient ourselves 
and, you know, set back up and they do the force majeure cause again. Hopefully we will handle COVID better in this, you know, new year. Hopefully we'll be able to get the vaccine distributed well enough that, you know, this won't be that big of an issue uh, from a monetary standpoint. And we'll have fans back at some point and all that nice bells and whistles of the league. Um, if we do that, I don't think it's likely. But if that's the case and COVID does indeed endure and uh, the money losses do endure, then I don't think it's an unrealistic uh, you know, proposition to say that you know the owners might try to do the same uh, move they did this time. Well, because I'm a crotchety old man, I am the uh, resident old man on this podcast, uh, I'm going to say I'm w- much less optimistic than you guys are. I'm actually going to say it's a coin flip. I think it's like a 50% chance they do this again next next offseason. I mean, owners are greedy, all right? They're, you give them an inch, they're going to try to take a mile here. And I think if they can, you know, and we will get to this here in a second, but, like, MLS is already pointing to, like, we're on track to lose a billion dollars for 2021. You can't tell me that, that they're going to not try to – and Justin mentioned this. They're trying to recoup some of the losses from last year by pushing out the CBA. You can't tell me that – they're also not going to try to recoup those losses by maybe trying to extend this agreement an extra year or two again. I just, I don't know. It wouldn't, I'm not going to be surprised at all if come this time next year, we're recording a podcast in the beginning of February and talking about, uh, you know, we're basically either talking about a lockout or we're talking about here are the new revised, uh, you know, CBA, you know, the, 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 the third time in, you know, two years or whatever the hell it'd be at that point. So I don't know. I, like I said, I'm the negative guy. I'm the negative ass on this podcast. So uh, I think it's probably closer to 50% that they um, exercise the uh, force majeure clause here. But one last point from the Garber uh, presser. Uh, he doesn't believe the league will be able to go into Canada this season. Uh, there's been no decision made on whether Canadian teams will play each other to start the season or will just be based solely in the U.S. So... There's that. There it is. You are now up to date on the MLS's revised CBA negotiations, listeners. Uh, we are not lawyers. We do not know all the ins and outs of the uh, negotiations and what everything means, but we, uh, we're we doing our best here. So uh, let's talk about something that's a little bit more exciting, a little bit more fun, a little bit you know interesting, if you will. Um, guys, uh, Frankie Amaya of uh, FC Cincinnati fame has requested a trade out of Cincinnati. According Can to, I just uh, say, yeah. when I when I saw that initial tweet that it was like Frankie Amaya has requested a trade, I thought that was absolutely awesome. Because when have you ever seen a player in MLS like quote unquote request a trade from their team? Didn't like, uh, didn't uh, Julian Gressel do that with Atlanta a couple years ago? Did he request a trade or did they just trade him to DC? No, I thought. I thought they definitely just traded him. Not like okay, bye. Well, actually, it might have. There was been that, that contract negotiation issue where he wanted some. He wanted amount X, and they were like, "Well, we can only give you amount Y." Um, again, I could be misremembering this, but I remember there was that. Uh, there was that little, well, if you want to call it a kerfuffle, uh, but I can't remember if he if he requested a trade or not. But I do know it resulted in him going to uh, DC. Yeah. I don't know, but this like when when the Amaya news initially broke, I thought. Like seeing, I don't know, I guess just the wording of it was just kind of his situation I feel bad for, but like it was just awesome to see that because I was like, I don't think I've ever seen an MLS player like request a trade from their team. And the way everybody kind of made it out initially was like, 
he like stormed into the front office like i want out type but like i don't know just the way that the tweets made it seem and you read the story and obviously it wasn't like that but um i, I mean you know he was uh he was tired of kind of being in that losing environment and now with all the links with you know potentially pity martinez or luciano acosta coming back to mls um to take that 10 role that maybe he wants to fill or taking up more midfield minutes that he he would have if they weren't there um Maybe he feels like he can find a, a team that values him a little bit more somewhere else. Yeah, I, I think the phrasing of the requesting a trade is not crucially important, but it is interesting because, you know, traditionally you see demands a transfer. But the whole trade, the fact that he's asked for a trade, I'm not sure if it's personal preference, but it does give Cincinnati something to think about in terms of how they want to, they, their position is we're not going to be getting rid of him. But should they change that position, it does give them multiple options to be looking at. You know, the assets that can be acquired, like, you know, you got to look at, well, you know, not, well, obviously they have a monetary value they're going to want to get from Amaya. But if they don't want to do a transfer, they could look at a trade in a sense of trying to get some recruiting at like a, if they want to upgrade, say, I'm not sure this position of need for Cincinnati. I'm just pulling a position out of my ass because I don't really know Cincinnati that well. If they wanted to add a left back, they could theoretically, instead of trying to say, okay, well, we value Amaya X and Y, Z, Garber Bucks. And we're going to try to get XYZ player for that less than that amount. So we'll be able to make that off. Instead, you could say, well, Amaya wants out. We could offer him to, say, the Red Bulls in exchange for, say, Jason Pendant. If they happen to like Jason Pendant, I would not understand that. But say, in this hypothetical world, the GM of FC Cincinnati is obsessed with Jason Pendant. They don't need to try to compute Pendant's value in Garber Bucks and Amaya's value in Garbucks, and then sell Amaya, and then try to buy Jason, you know, it overcomplicates things. If they choose to do that, using said example, they can just swap them straight up. So I think they can look at this with a bit more, it's not it's not a game breaker, but it does give them a bit more flexibility in exactly what they want to do with Amaya and how they want to handle the situation, a bit more options. Instead of just looking to get money out of this, they could potentially look to get, you know, a, maybe a replacement player in Amaya's position, maybe uh, upgrade another position. Um, so there, there's more than they can usually do, even if it's not, you know, obviously trades aren't that hugely valuable in MLS because no one's going to be trading a game breaker player. You know, the Sounders aren't going to be trading Rui Diaz anytime soon in this day and age. You know, Atlanta's not going to trade Joseph Martinez, barring uh, something entirely unprecedented in MLS history. But it does give them, you know, trades do have value. Uh, we saw with Nashville, you know, they built much of their roster through making, you know, some shrewd trades, getting some solid players and then building out a solid core. So if they want to go that route, and I'm not sure they will go that route, if they do, it does give them a little more flexibility in terms of the front office and how they want to handle the situation. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting point that you have to look at that considering how bad they've been the last two years. That if you can get a ton of Garber bucks for Frankie Amaya after making, you know, arguably one of the biggest signings uh, in MLS's recent history with the bring with the you know bringing in Brenner as a, a young designated player here, you you can sell Amaya for you know we don't, like how many Garber bucks are we thinking for Amaya like what like what are we I think we we talked about uh, Mahalovic was the was the, is the closest one we yeah is like Mahalovic a- was four hundred thousand in GAM this year four hundred thousand in GAM next year and then two hundred thousand more GAM if he met certain criteria but that was at the end of last December so they you know we don't know if he hit those uh, requirements or not I have an interesting comparison how about Mason Toy um you know Minnesota United had him they traded him away and you know 
obviously they're not the same player in terms of positioning, but I think the profile of, you know, a prospect that broke out, looked really good, then kind of not stagnated, but just had two kind of one or two, eh, you know, stretches, um, and eventually was traded away for, you know, toys value ended up being $600,000 in GAM. Um, I think that could be an interesting, uh, measuring stick for where Maya will, what his value is, you know, a player that clearly has upside. He's young, much like Mason toy, but you know, you're also looking at a player of a, a recent history of, you know, not exactly, um, impressing Amaya probably a bit more consistent than toy, given that he has more minutes. Um, but you know, the, the general profile of a player that, you know, is young and has room to grow, but hasn't exactly been impressing. It's probably, you know, pretty similar comparing the two players. So if we use Mason Toys to benchmark around $600,000 in GAM um, overall, I'm not sure if that's spread out or immediate. I imagine uh, Amaya would fetch a similar number, uh, more take, you know, give or take a few uh, a num- a few uh, thousand bucks in either direction, north or south of that. Now that you mentioned Mason Toy, and I'm thinking about Montreal, I'm just imagining the concept of trading Frankie Amaya Frankie Amaya for Samuel Pietz and watching him absolutely shithouse his way through that midfield and how defensive Cincinnati's going to be with him. I don't know. Uh, just to slap the uh, explicit content tag now on this podcast. <laughs> They're just no, so- <laughs> I mean, like, I'm just like, like, Piet is just an absolute, like, he'll just bully you in midfield. And he's not that tall. Like, he's a short looking guy and he's just the, he's a brute. And I would absolutely love to see him playing in such a defensive-minded team and being that enforcer in the side. And then Amaya going and playing under Thierry Henry would be absolutely Felipe Martins, question mark? Yeah, exactly, yeah. All right, well, let me ask you you two this then, Um, because not very often MLS players get to call their shots. Like you said, they they don't get to kick down the GM door and be like, get me the hell out of here. Uh, so we're going to do this again. We're going to play this game because, uh, you know, why not? Uh, percent chance Frankie Amaya is on FC Cincinnati come April 17th. Uh, Justin, you you, you got to put a number on it. What's the percentage? I would honestly say it's a pretty high chance. We just saw with the CBA that players essentially have no type of bargaining power. And I know that's a whole different concept from a trade. Um, but unless Cincinnati land one of these players that they're linked with um and that's if they see amaya being a 10 in the long run or if they replace him with another signing that will play in one of the deeper midfield roles i don't see them offloading him um i know they're going for like this international flair to their roster but he is a a generation adidas player that they drafted two years ago um so he really doesn't take up a super important roster position that you would essentially trade for. Um, but yeah, I would say the odds are pretty high of him still being in Cincinnati. Yeah. If I have to throw a percent on it, I'd go a solid 75%. Um, you know, because realistically speaking, um, putting a trade is a, you know, putting in a trade request is, you know, a sign of player power that we haven't seen that often before in MLS. But that being said, you know, it, it doesn't guarantee anything. Cincinnati does hold the cards here. You know, it, it, unless he, is going to threaten to just not play for them. You know, it's kind of hard for him to really, you know, make anything happen. And obviously Cincinnati, having picked him first, having, you know, played him pretty consistently throughout the years, rates him very highly. So, you know, they're going to be looking for a significant value. Um, So I think, you know, you're looking at the trade, unless they get a very nice package for him, they're probably not going to offload him despite his wishes. So you'd either need a very extreme 
progression of Frankie Amaya's stance on how he feels about Cincinnati or an incredibly good off from an MLS team that I'm not entirely sure will be happening. In my uneducated guess, I'm just going to say there is a 10% chance Frankie Amaya is traded by the start of the 2021 MLS season. Listeners, let us know. We'll make that the question of the day. What is the percent chance that Frankie Amaya is shipped out of FC Cincinnati, let us know on Twitter at UncSamSoccerPod, at JustinSosa99, at JJPost, and at Jake Watroba. Um, that's it. That's that, we're done. That's it. That's that's it for today's episode. We are uh, we're, we're out of here. Uh, be on the lookout. We are going to be starting our uh, MLS team preview series. That comes out tomorrow with the uh, previewing of FC Dallas. Uh, we'll have Buzz Carrick join us on the show to help us kind of break down what's happening with FC Dallas. So be on the lookout for that. Those shows will be coming at you uh, quite a bit here over the next uh, few weeks as we ramp up to April 17th and MLS's uh, opening kickoff. For JJ and Justin, I'm Jake. We'll talk to you guys next time. Deuces. Deuces.